Thanks so much for having us. There are a couple of reasons we feel right at home, Matt. The uh, first reason is this is home uh, for us. We're from the Memphis area. But the second reason is this great music that we're enjoying this morning. We, we came to Christ in the Jesus movement. Uh, the music of the Jesus movement uh, was, had so much to do with us paying real close attention to the words uh, of Christ and the life of Christ. Uh, this was back in the 70s. And uh, Barry McGuire, the second chapter of Acts, love song, which some of you maybe have never heard of, but they did this kind of music. Thank you so much. I, I, for the lack of me, I couldn't figure out where the tambourine was in that last song. What, what am I missing here? <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you, guys. Our church, within Grace Chapel, uh, in uh, Farmington Hills, Michigan, which is in the Detroit area. And this is, this is the kind of music we get on Sundays. And we, we love it. Praise God. Thank you so much. <clears throat> I want to welcome uh, you to the EPC. I'm not sure if you've had anybody present in your worship from our denomination yet. Maybe I'm the first. Uh, to welcome you to a denomination that we love. Uh, we've loved it since 1991 and uh, are so thankful to be a part of God's work in the world through a denomination like ours. And uh, we, we welcome you uh, to be one of 440 churches like yourselves uh, up from 186 just six years ago. So you see the kind of growth we've had primarily transfer growth uh, from the denomination you guys were a part of. And that's, that has brought on some new dynamics for everyone, including world outreach. I would, I would call it your world outreach now. Your world outreach. You pay me to, to do what I'm doing. And I thank you for that. This is uh, my fifth year in the position. I've, I've pastored churches um, for several years. And uh, I'm thankful to be uh, a part of what God is doing at the end of the street, your street, and at the ends of the earth. And that's what we represent. Ted Turner founded CNN, uh, the Weather Channel, a lot of cable. He's the mogul of cable TV. Uh, Ted Turner was interviewed by David Frost several years ago, and I heard the interview on PBS. And David Frost asked Ted Turner about his religion, or his religious experience or his religion. Ted was raised in a Christian family, went to a Christian college. Uh, but Ted's answer was this. If anyone could show me, or if I ever could come to the point of believing that Jesus Christ is God, I would become a missionary. He understood something here. And to him, to him, the ultimate sacrifice would be becoming a missionary and going to the ends of the earth. That's what he was expressing. And if we Christians understood what Ted understood without the Spirit of God even, he understood that if he is God and he did what the Bible says he did, he deserves our lives. 
nothing less than our totality. Every minute, every hour, every week, every month, every year of our lives. Thank you, Ted. I prayed for Ted. There was a radio and TV preacher years ago who said, we are at any given moment in one of two modes. Get this. He said, we're either giving or we're getting. We're either giving or we're receiving. Now think about it. How right he was. Life is about giving and receiving. Adam and Eve sought to receive something forbidden. There was a pride. And they, they were tempted and they gave in to the temptation to receive what God did not want them to have. We're so guilty ourselves of our pride seeking to get, seeking to receive. Uh, our church in California, out in the Mojave Desert, traveled each month for seven years once a month, to a prison camp in, in the Mojave Desert. And, and it was in traveling to that prison camp and to nursing homes and a couple of other things that we did that our church literally came alive. And it, it kept us alive because of the giving aspect of, of the hearts of our people to go and to give. As a matter of fact, that prison camp, it was a, a minimum security camp. They didn't even have a fence. They could leave any time they wanted to. And their chaplain, his name was Mates. I'll never forget his name. We called it Chaplain Mates and the Inmates. Would come to our church uh, a couple times a year. And, and we'd play softball on Sunday afternoon. They had a big bus and they had to fill certain requirements before they could come. And they would come to our uh, church out in the Mojave Desert, play softball, and then we would have a meal for them. And we began to invite people from the community to come. And they would give their testimonies. These were Christians. They either found Christ in prison or, or they had been Christians and got in trouble. Uh, but they would give their testimonies. And people, even from the community, would started coming bringing food. Uh, the, the inmates thought that the food multiplied like the loaves and the fishes. They said, we went through once and there's more the second time. They, but our church, in giving to them, this, this brought us, this brought us out. It brought us into who we really were. In Denver, our home group that we were a part of, uh, uh, and we met twice a month. And we'd meet and we'd have Bible study and we'd pray for each other and, and we'd enjoy fellowship together. But somebody brought the idea that the Ronald McDonald House down by the Children's Hospital needed people to come and to serve food to the families of the children that, that were in the hospital. And we did that. And you know what it did to our group? We blossomed. We blossomed. So, so giving is an aspect of grace. Receiving certainly is, and we need to be receivers. We need to be getters. 
That's why you're here, I hope, to receive the grace of God, the Word of God. I would hope you'd make it a habit of Sunday after Sunday to be with the body of Christ, to hear the preaching, to hear the teaching, to receive. I'm not minimizing that. But that equally, you would be giving of that grace, I would call it blessing. Uh, That we are blessed to be a blessing. Um, here in the South, uh, we grew up with, bless your heart, Matt, you know, bless your heart, brother. And if you say that, you can get away with most anything. Just bless your heart. you gotta, you got to qualify it with, bless your heart, you're gaining a little weight these days. Uh, bless your heart. I see your hair's uh, growing grayer and less of it. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. Or you can talk about somebody else. Bless her heart. She just, you know, you can say what you want to say. There's a great opening when there's a blessing, when we are blessing. A blessing, to me, is, is simply the bestowal of favor. The bestowal of favor or grace by word or deed upon God or upon each other. That, that in a nutshell, I think, captures what a blessing is. In the Hebrew, the word is baruch, and it means this. What? In the Hebrew, it means to kneel or to bow. Now, what's, what's built into that when you see somebody bowing? There's humility. There's a humility factor in blessing. And, and there's a respect as we bow before each other. There's a respect for the other. So a blessing has... has it, if we don't do it in humility, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. Unless we're humble in God's sight and humble in the sight of those that that we are blessing. Uh, Let me be critical of the American church, the evangelical church, and and I can be critical because I'm a part of it and have been a part of it a long time. Four things I want to say in criticism. Number one, we often seem to be humble before God, but we exalt ourselves over society. We exalt ourselves. We exalt our way of life. We exalt it in their eyes as if we are better somehow than society. Number two, we are consumer-driven. The evangelical church in America is consumer-driven, not blessing-driven. Number three, we want to receive fruit, but we don't produce enough. We want to receive it, but we don't produce enough of it. And fourthly, we desire bless me clubs instead of bless the clubs. Now, we need the bless me clubs. Let me emphasize that. Have, have as many as you can get. But equally, we need to be the blessing as we are blessed. I would say blessings are reflected in Genesis 1. Actually, missions is reflected in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God did what? He created. He didn't have to, but he created. So that, uh, you don't have to go read it now, but go read later what he blessed in the creation, seven days of creation, included was the human being that he created. He blessed As a matter of fact, the human being was the only thing God touched 
in creation. He spoke into being everything else, but he touched us. He touched Adam. He formed him. And he and, and the scriptures say he blessed man. He blessed us. And likewise, as we become more and more like him, Christ like, we have the opportunity to create blessings and bless just as God did for us. Our patriarchal father of faith, Abraham, demonstrates it. And I want to read from Genesis chapter 12. This is where most of the time you will hear uh, those of us that talk about missions, the Great Commission, will talk about this is where mission began. Genesis 12, 1 through 5. And, I, and I've told you, it, missions actually began in Genesis 1, 1. God is the, is, is the missionary God. But here's, here's from Genesis 12, 1 through 5. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Uh, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarai, his wife, Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions. They gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. They set out to go to the land of Canaan. I want us to look at, at a few things from this passage uh, it, with Abraham. This was the great handoff. God handed off blessings to Abraham. And said, I'll bless you and you go bless. The first thing is, uh, let me see the screen, is information that was gained. Uh, Abraham, don't, don't overlook the fact that Abraham heard God. He heard God say this. Now, we need information. We need information. God's Word gives us information. God's Spirit speaks to us and gives us information. In prayer, we, we receive information. And Abraham uh, was in a position to hear God, to hear God speak. I may ask you this morning, uh, not just right now, but are you typically in a position to hear information from God every day of your life? You know, this when, when he heard him probably wasn't Sunday morning, Saturday, sitting in worship somewhere. He was probably just going about his daily routine. It's so important for us to get the information that God has for us. He was in a position. And he heard God say, go. He heard God say, go. Now, we've heard Christ say, come. Come unto me. All of you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Come. But God also says, go. So Abraham heard him say, go. And to go from... His people. Our missionaries sitting here this morning, uh, the Wells left Memphis uh, nine years ago, spent seven years in Egypt, and they had to leave their family, and they had to leave Memphis, and they had to leave their house, just as Abraham was told, to leave your country, leave your dad's house, uh, leave your family, and go. But he didn't tell, and, and the understalls are getting ready to do that. He, he didn't tell Abraham where you're going. He said, I'll show you. Just go. 
Now, Abraham is the father of faith, and the etymology of the word faith is something like this, walking backwards. Walking backwards. And Abraham took off not knowing where he was going. He took off by faith. He said, go from your place and go to a place that I will show you. I think built in here is a good definition of what a missionary is. I don't think we're all missionaries. I think we all have a mission. But I think missionaries, the the term comes from a Latin translation of apostle. Missionary. It's not in the Bible, but it's a translation of a Latin translation of apostle. The sent ones. Those that are sent. They pick up and they leave home. And they go to a place that God sends them. This was Abraham. And, and, uh, he, he, he lit out and, uh, uh, walked by faith. God said, the information he gained, I will bless you. And in turn, you will bless others. Secondly, Abraham began when he went to identify with the people. That, that God had sent him to. Identification. Verse 4 said, so he went. He was 75 years old. I don't know if anybody in here this morning is 75 or not. I'm, I'm getting closer and closer. And I understand the older we get, the less likely we are to leave our place and go to somewhere else. I don't know if Abraham argued with him or not, or even brought up his age. I don't know. But most of us would, I think, if God asked us in later in life to leave your family, leave your home, etc., and go to somewhere I'll show you. Uh, I challenge congregations, and I speak like this quite a bit, and I challenge congregations, many of which are older, to consider. I mean, in, in the U.S., we retire at 65. Some are retiring at 55. Some are retiring at 60. We've got a whole host of potential workers for the kingdom to go to the ends of the earth that we've never had before. And they're going. They're going. We have a couple right now in Malaysia in their late 60s that just went. And uh, we have others that that are are doing the same thing. But here's Abraham now. He's 75. And uh, uh, I, I would just say it's never too late. Never too late. Never too late. I'm not minimizing going to the ends of the street. Sometimes I get on this track and I forget to say this is an equal balance between home and the ends of the earth. And what can be said for one can be said for the other. It's all important that we consider both as high priority, as goers, as givers at home and the ends of the earth. I was in a church in Pittsburgh and uh, spoke in the Sunday school class and talked about our prayer ministry our missionary prayer network. We try to get one person from every EPC congregation to spend an hour a week praying just for our missionaries. And we have a secure uh, website where the missionaries can put anything on it they want to put on it. And so I spoke in Sunday school, and before worship, I was handing out some, some magazines. And this one lady, when I handed to her, she grabbed my hand. And she said, I prayed and asked God to send me somebody to talk to. She said, I want to join that prayer network. I'm 94 years old, but I want to join that prayer network and be a part of what God is doing. Hallelujah. 
Praise God. That's a challenge for the youth. And our youth today want a challenge. They don't want mediocre. They want something that drives them to give their all. Thank God for that among our youth today. Um, so, there's Abraham went and he identified with the people. He didn't hold himself above the people. He didn't look down upon them. He looked to, to learn their ways. That's what missionaries do. Uh, the understalls will be going for two years to learn language in Tyre, Lebanon, before they go to Tripoli, Lebanon. And in learning language, they'll be mixing and mingling with the people. They've already been over there. You help them go. Thank you. And uh, Brandon and Liz knew this in Egypt. You identify with the people. You don't try to go and Americanize them or evangelicalize them. You go to try to, to, to win their confidence and their respect and, and, and bless them in whatever ways we can. Abraham didn't change who he was, but he changed. He changed in respect to the people around him. Thirdly, there's evangelization, identification. Then there's evangelization. And we have a lot of youth today who want to go and help our, our people in the world who are hungry and thirsty and sick and needy and praise God for that. And that's one, uh, that's one thing we can do. But if we don't evangelize in that process, we, we aren't completing the Great Commission by simply going and giving them a cup of water. So evangelization. Abraham lived for God. He talked about the living God. He, he worshipped God. He built altars. Uh, and so Abraham was involved. From his evangelization then came a transformation of a people. The, the Canaanites, some of them were transformed into Israelites, those who strived with God. They were unique, a unique people, chosen of God. They were transformed. And in their transformation, there was communication of God's Word. It was from this people that was transformed when Abraham went that we get this this morning. Uh, this is the English Standard Version. You may have been wondering what I was reading from. I meant to tell you. Uh, the English Standard Version of what was communicated by God to the people where Abraham went and identified with and evangelized with. We received the Word of the living God. That was the communication. And finally, the exaltation. From among those people came... Jesus Christ. He was exalted from this people group to which God sent Abraham. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. A song written says this, Go in my name, and because you believe, Others will know that I live. He is the same yesterday. He's the same today and forever. He's the greatest blessing. From Abraham who was blessed, went to a people and blessed them, and we received the greatest blessing God has Himself. God Himself came to earth and gave us a command. Gave us a command to go and to be blessings at the end of the street and the ends of the earth. 
Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those who oppose you. When we're at seminary here in Memphis, we live behind the seminary in some duplexes. And our, our duplex had a basketball goal on the garage. <clears throat> and uh, our kids played basketball on, on that goal. And kids from the neighborhood, seminary kids and other kids from down the street, came and, and played basketball. One day, our children came in and said, Dad, so-and-so down the street took our basketball. And it's in his yard. And we went down and we told him we want our basketball and he wouldn't give it to us. He said, my uncle gave me that basketball. And I said, why don't you just go back down there and tell whatever his name is, you're giving it to him. Just tell him it's yours. Take it. We, we, we give it to you. And really? Yeah, just go try it and see what happens. I didn't know what would happen. But within 30 minutes, we looked outside, and that basketball was right back where it had been, right under the goal. And, and from that little story, I want to tell you, giving sets off a dynamic. Jesus said, if somebody takes part of your clothing, give them some more. Giving has a dynamic to it that we don't even know about. Only God knows what our giving does in the lives of people. God uses it as much as anything. He uses giving of our time, our talent, our money uh, to, to bless others and to bless Him. The, the giving aspect of Christianity needs exaltation needs exaltation in our midst over and over and over again. We were, uh, we were at the Phoenix Rescue Mission. I pastored in Phoenix. And we went once a month to the Phoenix Rescue Mission. And we served food in the evening. And uh, one evening as we were there serving, I, I noticed in the line this big football-type looking guy, a uh, street, street person, he had that, I'll get you if I can, look. And, and I, I kind of felt, oh, he, he might get me. And, uh, so he came through the line, and he came right to me. And uh, I served him, and was nice to him, and, and uh, gave him his food. I didn't know if he would show up in the worship service or not. They had the opportunity to come to the time of worship and devotion afterwards. But sure enough, he came there. At the end of the service, we always gave uh, uh, an invitation, a Billy Graham-type invitation. Come before God and others and confess your faith in Christ if, if you need to. And uh, we had more evangelism at the mission than we did in our church. I mean, they, they respond. They respond to, to people going there. And uh, so that night, we had probably a dozen people lined out. And I'm ministering to them and getting through and. And I look, and there he is at the end. I don't know if he's come after me or what. But he came up and he said, have you got a pencil? And I said, no, I don't. Uh, how, why do you need a pencil? He said, I need to know what 10% of $747 is. And I said, it's $74.70. And he reaches inside and he pulls out money and he starts counting. And he counts $74 and he asks his buddy, you got a change for a dollar. And he gave him change and he gave me $74.70. And he said, I want your church to have 
this money. And you know what my, my first thought was? He needs this more than our church needs this. But my second thought was, no, I don't want to rob him of being a blessing. That's what he wanted to be. God had touched his heart, and he wanted to, to share that somehow. So, of course, I took it Sunday morning, and I explained it, and I took the offering plate, and I counted it out, and I said, here, you have been blessed by someone on the street, off the street, who wanted to be a blessing to God. Humble, respectful, favor bestowed. That's what, that's simple, folks. It's not complicated. When, when I was growing up in church, 100 miles south of here, uh, north of here, uh, I was blessed every Sunday by some people. And, and I was a little boy for so long. I was called Little George. I didn't grow till I was senior in high school. My feet grew, but my body didn't grow. I, I, a big foot on a little body, and, and uh, I was always uh, concerned that, that people looked at me as being little, because my brother was bigger. But in church, in church, in a country church, very simple, country congregation in West Tennessee, as a little boy, every Sunday... I gained the attention of a couple of women in that church. Now, back in that time, they actually wore hats and they have these things over their face. I don't even know what you call that over their face. One of veil, but it, you could see through it, but it was scratchy. Uh, and, and, and a couple of those women would, I don't know if they uh, planned this or not. But at least one of them, every Sunday, would grab, bend down to me and grab me and hug me and ask me, how's, how's the ball team coming? How's, how's school going? And, and uh, you know, what struck me most at that time was they, they smelled of, they called it rouge and powder and, and stuff, and it leave it on me. It would always leave it on me. Uh, and I'd, I'd kind of pull away from that veil and I'd pull away from that smell. But later, God, God impressed upon me. Uh, I needed that so much. I needed, and they were blessing a little boy. They were blessing a little boy. They were respecting him for who he was and the size he was. And they were respecting a, a little boy and their humility. They'd get on my level. And they'd grab me, and they'd talk to me, and they'd hug me. And God said, that nothing is too small. Nothing. As a matter of fact, most of our blessings are small. But it's like someone said one time, the stone in the hand of David was small, but it was large on the forehead of the giant. Our little blessings are what God's called us to be. Little blessers for His kingdom. And yes, there are people who, who have no idea. They don't have a clue that Christ is God. They don't know that. And they're waiting somebody to tell them. Not necessarily to invite them to church, and that's fine. We ought to do that. 
But they're waiting for somebody not only to tell them, but to demonstrate the blessing of being a follower of Christ. Gentle, spirited Christ who humbled himself, left heaven's glory, came to earth, suffered temptation as everyone we have uh, had, suffered temptation, death on a cross, resurrection of life for us. And for many of the elect out there that haven't heard, they're waiting though. They don't know it, but they are. And they're here, and they're in Lebanon, and they're in Egypt, and Brendan and Liz will probably be going to Spain in a, a year or so. They're in Spain. They're, in, they're all over the world. If you'll come to the Sunday school class and, and hear about our missionaries and what God is doing around the world, it can be a challenge to you if you have time this morning. Thank you. The ends of the earth and the ends of the street are primary for us as the people of God to be blessers as we have been blessed. I pray. Lord, thank you for blessing us in Christ. In his name I pray. Amen. Thank you, George, for your word and for your challenge to us. And as you were talking about that man that was in the in the shelter, you know, it just occurred to me that that uh, that Jesus uh, might have been a guy that we would not have taken notice of. Uh, Jesus might have been a guy that uh, was in the back of the line, um, an unanticipated blessing, um, a person that was despised, a person who was a man of sorrows. Uh, and yet this man is the one who gave us the ultimate blessing. He was the one who went to the cross and uh, made a way when it seemed like there was no way for us to be reconciled to God, uh, to be made whole, to be forgiven. And uh, the demonstration of that was his work of the, on the cross and his resurrection. And our participation in the sacrament this morning is a visible, tangible reminder uh, that we participate in his death and resurrection, that he gives his life to us and he shed his blood for us so that we might not only receive the blessing, but that we would also be a blessing. And it's by His power and by His grace that we, uh, that we accomplish that. Um, and on the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took the bread. And He broke it. And He said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, He took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant which is given in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For whenever we eat this bread... And we drink this cup. We are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes.